Welcome, and thanks for listening to the New Life Christian Ministries podcast. If you'd like more information about New Life or for more podcasts and other media, go to newlifexn.org. We're bringing this series called All In uh, really to a close in the next couple of weeks. And it's really been an incredible series. In fact, I, I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, but I just want to reiterate it, that a few weeks ago, the, or a few months ago, I should say, the lead team sat down and we looked across our church and we, we were looking and examining, you know, what is it that really uh, drives us here at New Life? And we know that, that when we look at the heart of our church, the heartbeat of our church is our mission, and that is to share, grow, and live the new life of Jesus Christ with the world one person at a time. That's why we're here. That's what we do. But there are some other things that, that kind of drive us as we looked at our heart and we looked at our heartbeat. We realized that there are chambers inside of our heart through which our mission flows. And those things we've identified and called our seven core values here at New Life. And so I want to put those up on the screen for you right now so you can see what they are. And what we've been doing throughout this series is I've been saying the part um, to the left of the colon, and you've been saying the part to the right of the colon. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have you say the action step while I uh, name the value. So here we go. We follow Jesus. We care for lost people. We trust the Bible. We engage in worship. We love each other. We live in the Spirit. And we give generously. So those are the seven core values that we realize are really helping us uh, share our mission with the world, one person at a time. And we've looked at the first five, and today we're going to look at the sixth one as we look at what it means to live in the Spirit. In fact, we're going to learn how uh, we need to live in the Spirit and how we can do that together. So if you have your connection inside, you'll find this little guy. This is a, a sermon outline. If you'd like to do these and you want to follow along, I would encourage you to do that um, this morning. Just want to make you aware of that. But our take-home point is this for today, and this is the thing that I, I want you to walk out of here with today, and that's this. The Holy Spirit is always ready to guide and empower us. The Holy Spirit is always ready to guide and empower us. But, but there's one thing that we must do first. There's one thing that we have to learn. You see, one of the things that the Scripture makes very clear is that if the Spirit's not leading in our lives, then we are not truly free, and we are not able to experience the fullness of the new life that God has for us you see, God sent Jesus here to live a life we couldn't live, and die a death we should have died. He was buried and raised back to life again by the power of God, overcoming sin and death forever. And now the scripture tells us that, that when we believe in Jesus, we receive a new life. In fact, Jesus himself said that he came here to give us a new life, but not, not this, this biological life that we have, a spiritual life, a good life, a life that is made alive, that, that will exist both now and forever. Jesus called it a Zoe life. But the problem is, for some of us, we can't grab a hold of it. And the reason is primarily because we don't know how to experience the freedom of God because we don't know how to live in the Spirit. So what's the thing we have to do if we want the Spirit to guide and empower us? The thing that we have to do is we have to learn how to trust the Spirit to lead us. We must learn how to trust the Spirit 
to lead us. You know, the, the Holy Spirit is not just a force. A lot of people think that about the Trinity, Father, the, the Son, Jesus, and, and the Holy Spirit. They think that the Holy Spirit's the part where, you know, like in the force, where you will do this, you know? Um, people, people think that the Holy Spirit is that. It, that's not the case. Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as a person. And so when we engage the Holy Spirit, we have to realize that, that He is leading us. He is the, the third person of the Trinity. He's the one who we engage. He makes our spirit alive, and we follow Him as He directs us into Jesus' teaching. So we must learn to trust Him and to be led by Him. Now, the Apostle Paul gave some instruction to the Galatian churches that is actually really, really helpful for us when we look at what it means to live in the Spirit. So we're going to look at that this morning from Galatians chapter 5. If you have a Bible or a smartphone or an app on your device and you want to open it up, Galatians chapter 5, we're going to begin in verse 13. If you don't have that, it'll be up on the screen and you can read along with me. So here's what Paul told the Galatian churches. He said this, beginning in verse 13 of chapter 5. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but do not use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the Apostle Paul. Thank you for your Spirit who superintended the writing of this scripture to the church in Galatia. Thank you that it was preserved and now we can hold it on our device or in our hands in the form of, of your word, the scriptures. And so God, today I pray that you would open the eyes of our heart that we might see and some for the first time that you are God who loves and cares for us so much that you've instructed us. And so God, teach us today what it means to live in the spirit in Jesus' name, amen. So the first thing that we have to understand is Paul's audience. Paul was writing to the church in the in churches in Galatia. And so one thing that that implies is that Paul was writing to people who already had a relationship with Jesus. They were people who were following Jesus. So if you're in here today and you, you're, you're not sure about God or you're not sure about Jesus, listen, there couldn't be a better place for you. 
Because here you're going to learn something very important, and, and this is it. So listen, God loves you. God loves you so much that he sent Jesus to live a life for you that you could never live and to die a death for you that you should have died. And he was buried and raised back to life by the power of God, overcoming sin and death forever so that you could put your faith and trust in his completed work and then receive a new life by believing in Jesus. That's what the apostle John tells us in in John chapter one is that when we believe in Jesus, we are adopted into his family. So really, the church is is actually just kind of a fancy word for the family of God. We are a place where all of us are adopted into God's family. None of us were born into God's family. It's not possible because of this, what the Apostle Paul pointed out, the sin nature. It's not possible for us to be a part of God's family in our natural state. We have to be, as Jesus said, born again. And that comes as we put our faith and our trust in Jesus. Then we are born again and we are made alive by the Holy Spirit. And so when we believe in Jesus, we receive instantly a new life before God. And I love, I love Paul because he, he explains things so well. He said that when it, we believe in Jesus, we, we receive like a new garment, And so it goes on over our old nature so that when God looks at us, he doesn't see our sin. He sees Jesus and he can say, welcome to my family. So the kingdom of God is really not just a kingdom alone, but a family. And all of us are invited to participate and be part of it. In fact, God wants all of us to be part of it. So if you're here today and for the first time, you're hearing that God loves you, you need to know he loves you to death. And he wants you so badly to be a part of his family. Now, if you are a part of God's family, you have believed in Jesus, then we need to understand that this teaching to the churches in Galatia is absolutely crucial for our lives. In fact, Paul begins to build on a theme that actually he's built on in other letters as well. And that is that we're called to live into something. Look what he said, verse 13. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. So Paul can say brothers and sisters because remember, we're all adopted into this family called the church. And Paul's speaking to the church in Galatia and he's saying, listen, whether you realize this or not, God is calling you into freedom. He's calling me into freedom. That's the first thing that we have to understand. In fact, the Apostle Paul said something very important to the Corinthians. He told the Corinthians this in 2 Corinthians 3.17, For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Now, you know what's really incredible about that statement is that Jesus said that it was better. He was talking to his disciples. He said it would be better for him to go away because then the counselor, the helper, the Holy Spirit would come. And, and you, I mean, you have to put yourself in their shoes. Like, I mean, Jesus was there fully man, fully God. He had, you know, raised a dead person and, and he had healed blind people and deaf people heard and people who were lame walked. I mean, this is nuts. Like, you could not imagine having Jesus right with you. And he's saying, hey, it's going to be better that I leave. And it's like, what are you talking about, man? I, I don't buy it. And Jesus said, no, 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 listen, listen. The Holy Spirit is with you now, but later after I leave and I send him, he will be in you. So do you know what that means? That means that where the Spirit of the Lord is, when he is in us, guess what? There's freedom. 
We're no longer trapped by the sinful nature. We can engage in the freedom that God has for us if we will allow the Holy Spirit to lead and guide our lives. So Paul's theme about freedom is so important, and it has to do with the Spirit. We are called to live in freedom. We are called to live in freedom. And Paul explains that through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, we are made right from uh, we are made right before God. We are freed from sin. In fact, as Pastor Chris often says, and I love this, way back when, not too long ago actually, when he was a youngster, and he was, um, I want to keep my job. When he was, uh, when he was a kid, and, and he had a Sunday school teacher, and and she used the word justified. You know, when we believe in Jesus, we're justified before God. Well, his, his teacher said that's, that's like when we stand before God and it's just as if I never sinned. That's what it means when we put our faith in Jesus. We receive that new life. But what the Holy Spirit does, and Jesus said this, is he leads us into that life. He imparts to us new life at different points as we grow in our trust and faith in him. That's what the Spirit does. He's always ready to guide and empower us if we will trust him and let him lead. So the Holy Spirit is wanting to lead us into freedom, but I have to ask the question, I wonder how many of us are actually free? How many of us who have believed in Jesus, have trusted him as our Lord and Savior, are truly experiencing inside of us the freedom that Paul said is available as we let the Holy Spirit lead. You see, there's a struggle that goes on inside of all of us. In fact, the Apostle Paul experienced it, and he observed it, and that's why he wrote about it. The struggle, as they say, is real. So what did Paul say? He said, you are called to live in freedom, but we have to be careful, and he points this out for believers. He says this, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Paul commands believers not to use their freedom as an excuse for sin. In fact, in the, to the Roman church, Paul wrote these words. He said, he said this, well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Now think about that. It kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Like, hey, listen, if God's going to pour out his grace on me because of my sinfulness, I mean, doesn't it make sense that because I'm free in Jesus that I can just keep living and then, and then say, hey, Jesus, will you forgive me for this? <laughs> yes, I will because my grace is sufficient for you. But then we keep going and we keep going and we keep sinning knowing that it's the wrong thing to do. Paul says in the Greek that I, I actually can't translate it. It's R-rated in the Greek. But the English translators, they, they translate it, of course not. He used the strongest language he could here to say, it's not possible. And then he goes on and he says, since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? You see, what Paul is telling us here is don't waste the grace. Don't waste the grace. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And as Paul said, because Jesus did that and we believed in him and, and, and he crucified our sin there, that we should not waste his grace by continuing to live in the sinful nature. So even though we are free, we cannot use our freedom as an excuse to sin. Paul says, he continues on, he says, instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. 
Now, this isn't going to be on the screen, but it is on your outline, and I want to encourage you to write this down, and that's this. We must use our freedom to serve others. We must use our freedom to serve others. Jesus said this. He said, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Now, it's interesting to me. This is the third week we've heard that same scripture. I talked about it two weeks ago. Last week, Pastor Mark talked about it as we talked about the core value here of we love each other. And this week, I brought it up again. And and here's the thing. We had already completed these messages. So I think the Holy Spirit wants us to understand something very important because he's bringing it up three times. That the world will know that we belong to Jesus by how we love each other. You see, Jesus' death reflected freedom to us. But how was it lived out? It was lived in complete servanthood. Jesus came here and willingly gave his life up for all of us. So our lives must reflect that. Wherever we live, wherever we work, wherever we play, hang out, whatever, wherever we go, our lives must reflect the nature by which our freedom was purchased. Jesus came here freely to serve and not be served. And in the same manner, we must use our freedom to serve and not be served. In fact, Paul says that the whole Old Testament could be summed up by living this way. Look what he says in verse 14. He says this, For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I want you to know something. This is really hard to do, right? And if you're married, you could just say amen right there, right? I mean, it's just hard to live with other people sometimes, We all have different personalities. If you're an introvert, extroverts drive you nuts. If you're an extrovert, you have no idea why introverts are the way they are. Listen, don't judge us, okay? Back off, y'all. It's okay, we're thinkers, all right? So, but you see, it's, it's hard sometimes to live that way. But Paul said, listen, the whole Old Testament, the whole law and the prophets can be summed up by loving your neighbor as yourself. Jesus actually said it, love God first and then love your neighbor as yourself. You know, most Christians, and myself included sometimes, don't live this way. We don't use our freedom to serve others. And when we don't do that, the result is disastrous. Look what Paul says in verse 15. He says, but if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out. He gives a warning he gives a warning to those of us when we, when we choose not to love our neighbors as ourselves, when we choose to use our freedom as an excuse to not serve, then it leads to dissension. It leads to division. It leads to broken relationships. And then he continues on. He says, beware of destroying each other. Beware of destroying each other. Now, Paul begins verse 15 with the word, but what's he doing? He's contrasting the life in the spirit with the life in the flesh. You see, the life in the spirit is freedom and selflessness, but life in the flesh is pride and selfishness. One leads to life. The other leads to death. So that's why Paul commands the church to choose life in the spirit. Look what he says. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. 
You see, when we, when we live in the Spirit, we behave differently. It's a control issue, really. When we are in control, our sin nature rules. But when we yield to the Holy Spirit, God's kingdom then can pour through us. It can be released to the world, and it will be released to the world when we yield. When the Holy Spirit is in charge, God's kingdom is released. So we become with him co-laborers in his redemptive mission on the earth. And I just think that's so incredible, that God invites us to partner with him in his redemptive mission on the earth. How cool is that? I just think that's so awesome that God would do that for us. But Paul makes clear there's a constant struggle for control. Look what he said in verse 17. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. Now, Paul, right here in verse 17, uses a structure in in the literary text to help us consider this comparison between the life in the Spirit and the life in the flesh. In fact, he he begins by saying that the, the flesh desires to do evil. And, and actually, the English translators, except for the King James Version, actually probably don't use the right word there. And I have to give props to the King James Version because the actual word is the word translated lusts. Our sinful nature, our fleshly, natural nature lusts to do evil. It is passionate about pursuing evil. And Paul says, listen, <laughs> that's hard because it's, it's, it's coming against what the Spirit wants. And it's opposite of what the Spirit wants. And so when Paul says here in verse 17, the way he structured it, it demands a keen observation and an active response. Look again, these two forces, he said, are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. So what is the observation? We are at war. We are at war, and it's not a war that is external. That's what's kind of stinky about this. This war is internal, and it's tough, and it's hard. So what is the response? We must surrender to the Holy Spirit. Now, I know that doesn't make any worldly sense, right? I mean, when you go to war, you go to war to do what? Win, right? You're going to war, you're taking everything that you have, and you are coming at it with everything that you've got so that you can claim victory. We need to understand something. If you're a follower of Jesus in here, this is really important right now. Give me your eyes for just one minute. Jesus already won. So all we need to do is learn to yield because the Spirit will give us the power to overcome. He will guide us. He will direct us. He will lead us. The work is done. So for us, it doesn't make worldly sense, but it makes godly sense. We must surrender. We must surrender. Then we will have victory. Now, Paul says that when we're living in the flesh, it actually manifests in certain behaviors. Because sometimes it can be hard to know, like, 
how, how do I know if I'm living into my flesh right now? Or how do I know if I'm living into the Spirit? Well, Paul thankfully gives us a list of some behaviors. Actually, he names 16. And he probably just rattled them off like this. Because all he had to do was look around at culture. The same thing all, all of us can do. And lift off, list off these 16 things. Here's what he said. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you're not under obligation to the law of Moses. But when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. And here he gives us a list. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Now, Paul gives us a clear warning. If we live into this kind of unyielded life to the Holy Spirit, here's what he said. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. So for those of us who are followers of Jesus in here today, that should be like red lights flashing, you know, stuff going off inside of our spirit right now going, hey, listen, do you see any of this happening in your life right now? Because most of us are really good at surrendering some areas of our life to the Holy Spirit. But there's just a few. God, I just, not yet. Just, come on, just... Not yet. And we hold on with everything that we have. And we miss out on the fullness of the life that God has for us. And we continue to live into areas that bring death. But when we yield to the Spirit, life is totally different. Look what Paul said. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And then Paul exclaims this. He says, there is no law against these things. So you can do these things as much as you want, and there is no law that's going to come against you. No law of God. Because these things are from God. They're from his spirit. Now, I want to ask you a question. If you were to look at these two lists side by side, which one is the greater life? just simply by virtue of what it represents. The life in the Spirit, right? The life in the Spirit is really what we long for. And yet we, we are warring against this life in the flesh where we are just constantly seeming to fight. And it's because we're trying so hard and not yielding to the Spirit and letting Him lead that's how we do it. That's how we experience this life. Remember what Paul said in verse 16? He said this, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. What does that imply? That implies that we're going to say, I don't know what I'm doing and I need help. So Holy Spirit, would you lead me into this life? Help me experience the fullness of your life that you have. For me, Look what Paul says, verse 24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Paul points out that the Holy Spirit is the one that makes spiritual people alive and therefore he can lead us into the life that God has for us. But we have to let him lead. Look at verse 25. Since we are living by the Spirit, then he gives us this key he says, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. 
Now, Paul didn't have to put that in there, but I think that God wanted him to because it's so important for us to understand that when it comes to living the life that God has for us, it encompasses our whole life. We have to surrender our whole life to God. In fact, here's the key. We must surrender every part of our lives to the Holy Spirit. How do we live in the Spirit? By surrendering every part of our lives to Him. That's how we live by the Spirit. Most of us will surrender the areas that it's easy, but man, where it's tough, we don't want to give up because it's familiar, it's comfortable, and we know it. But listen, guys, I'm telling you, if we will surrender it today, God will lead us into a new life, a different life, a better life. And we can experience it if we'll let him. Now, the problem comes when we view our surrender as success. Because in the spiritual realm, honestly, surrender is success. It's a win when we finally give up on that thing and we say, Holy Spirit, I need you to take this and I need you to lead it. But what happens is the sin nature is so deeply ingrained in us that what can happen is pride then can well up and we can make other people feel really bad by putting ourselves on a pedestal. Look what God did through me. Look what the Holy Spirit has released me from. Now, listen, I'm not saying don't tell people, but when you tell people, remember the state from which you came depravity. And they need God's guidance and direction as well. That's why Paul concludes this section with this in verse 26. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. (laughs) See, Paul knows that even life in the spirit, when we experience success, can lead to sin. So he says, remain humble, remain focused, and stay on track with the Holy Spirit. That's why we must surrender every part, every part of our lives. So how do we do this practically? Well, I created a a process. It's something that I do actually, and I've affectionately named it the wake, die, and bump. And uh, I thought about making a dance move for this, but I know this is going on the internet, so I'm not giving the internet that, all right? I know, it'll show up on YouTube somewhere, some stupid song behind it, and I'm not going to be that guy. So, um, but the wake, die, and bump, I want to I just tell you, it could be also called um, three ways, three steps to freedom, and here it is. The first one is just simply this. The first step is to wake up, because if you don't wake up in the morning, you don't have to worry about steps two and three, all right? And that might be good for some of us. I'm on the way out. Take me home, Jesus, all right? Free at last, free at last. You know, you understand a little bit. But so you wake up. And then the second thing, this is, where, this is really where the rubber meets the road. And that is that we surrender immediately. Jesus called this dying to ourself. So we, we, the minute our eyes open up, and listen, if you're a parent, you understand, right, that when you wake up and a child is right here, and your eyes are open, and you're like, ah! you know, and, and you're thankful that you didn't cuss, you know, but, it, but at the same time, you're so mad, right? I mean, do you understand what I'm saying a little bit? Like, like, you just wake up, and so immediately surrender. In that moment, Jesus, I need your Holy Spirit right now. You know, and even if you don't have kids, or you've never experienced that, thank Jesus for that. That's a gift, by the way. Um, if you've never experienced that, 
when you wake up, immediately, Holy Spirit, I need you to lead. Why? Because the minute our eyes open and our brain clicks on for the morning, the enemy is right there, ready to put evil thoughts into our minds. He is ready. And he's going to pounce. And the thing is, most, most of us probably don't anticipate that. Because it's not a natural thing for us. So immediately we wake up and then we surrender. And then we bump and surrender. Okay? And, and what I mean by that is as you go throughout your day, when you bump into your sinful nature, like, you're, you, you, and you know when this happens, right? Whenever you see that person <laughs> and you're like, oh, dear Jesus, you know, and, and you need to pray for extra grace in that moment. Or, or maybe it's, it's, it's a device that you see and you know that, that if you get on that device, you're going to choose some ungodly things. Or, or maybe it's a bank account that, that you see or a credit card or whatever it is, as you bump up against whatever that sin nature is in your life, surrender immediately to the Holy Spirit. So that's the wake, die, and bump. And as we do that, we will live by the Spirit. We will be fulfilling Paul's command to live by the Spirit, and then he can lead us into this incredible life because the Holy Spirit is always ready to guide and empower us. He's always ready. We just have to learn to trust him to lead us. We must surrender completely. So as we do that, I want to give you today's commitment, and that is this. I will receive the Spirit's direction and power this week. How do we do that? Wake, die, and bump. Every day, wake, die, and bump. Surrender immediately. When you bump up against it, surrender immediately. Give him control. Yield to him. Let us follow the Spirit's leadership in our lives so we can release his presence everywhere we go. Let's pray. Father, that is our prayer, that you would teach us how to live in your Spirit. That God, in every moment, that we will surrender the minute we wake up the minute we bump against our sin nature, that we will say, Holy Spirit, I need you to take control right now because if you don't, I'm gonna fall. And Father, we pray and we trust you, as Paul said, to guide and lead us. God, develop in us the fruit of your spirit as we surrender every area completely to you. And God, maybe for those in here today who for the first time are saying, you know what? I want this life. God, I pray for them right now. I pray that you would meet them right where they're at and that they would trust you as their Lord and Savior and that your spirit would lead them into a brand new life. And God, for those of us who maybe have been Christians for a long period of time or a short period of time, however long it is, my prayer is that your spirit would lead us to take hold of this life that you have for us. Father, let us experience your freedom in ways that we never have before. Lead us and guide us now by the power of your spirit so that we can release your kingdom to the world in every way. In Jesus' name, amen.